Hello, hey, hi. Welcome back to the Uncultured Cinematic Universe. It's been a minute. It's been so long. But we're back. Uh, each episode, we take a look at classic and iconic films from two perspectives, that of the diehard fan and that of the uncultured, who's never seen it before until this very moment in time. We're your hosts, Justin and Joe, and today we're talking about the 1984 black comedy horror classic, Gremlins. Joe, it's Gremlins. I um, I hope you took lots of notes and you buckled up for this one. This was a treat. I took a lot of notes and pretty much all of them end in several exclamation points. <laughs> um, but yeah, you you are the cultured one here. I had yes. never seen Gremlins. I think my household was more of like a on the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids side of the kooky 80s mm-hmm. scientist family spectrum, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, I think you're either one or the other. It's true. Uh, I landed squarely in the middle between both yeah. of those camps. I remember watching both of those movies. Um, you know, it has a little bit of the kooky, a little bit of the creepy. Um, mm-hmm. But this one leads definitely more into the the spooky of bits. But, this uh, yeah. This movie made me think of uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids mm-hmm. uh, for like the family bits of it. And then um, did you, speaking of like, well, we haven't spoken of it, but like I just realized that Howie Mandel voices the main uh, gremlin in Gremlin, not gremlin, yeah. like Mogwai. Yeah. Um, and he's also in that Little Monsters movie. Did you ever see that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, was... that movie is kind of like the other mixture. Sure. Of- this movie for me absolutely it is yeah that was one of like the the recommended movies that popped up at the end yeah of this one is like since you watch this you should go watch a little mo- little monsters the mandel cinematic universe <laughs> we'll get into that eventually i can i can only imagine but yeah so as a reminder you can watch us on youtube if you aren't already uh, or listen to us wherever you get your podcasts spotify apple podcasts the whole gamut just search for the uncultured cinematic universe and also be sure to check us out on instagram at UCU Podcast. Get us on there. Give us a like. We'll give you a follow back. We'll do the whole thing. We'll, we'll chit-chat. We post every couple days, but it's like it's good content. It's great content. You'll love it. Uh, yeah, so without further ado, be sure to keep your mogwai dry, hungry, and in the dark, and let's get into Gremlins Joe. Let's talk about it, man. Uh, what, what were your some initial thoughts from this? Okay, okay. <clears throat> Initial thoughts um, were were mainly centered around just like incredulity of every single scene. Yeah. Um, uh, (laughs) I don't this 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 movie, this town in this movie feels like it takes place in another dimension where people act differently than they would in real life um (laughs) that's that's hollywood man um and then my my other secondary thought i was i was texting you about this i needed more judge reinhold in this movie there's Uh, a i have a good note about uh and then nothing i got a good note about the judge and we'll talk about him we got judge talk later and we'll we'll dive into that welcome back to judge corner the (laughs) no one puts judge in a corner is he (laughs) joe is he still with us I looked this up. It seems like uh, we haven't seen a lot of Judge uh, in the last few years, but yes, he is still with us. He's, he's kind of with us. Yeah. He's raking in the the Santa Claus residuals. That's true. Yeah, which is funny because so, this movie was 1984. 
this movie was released June eighth, nineteen eighty four. A summer romp, you know, right? Uh, getting ready for this, for this uh, <laughs> the impending Christmas season. But yeah, the so these are just an insane time because like <laughs> not a lot of Christmas movies are coming out in the middle of summer. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a weird choice. It definitely was a weird choice. But um, yeah, I know you texted me this during the movie that Judge Reinhold is supposed to be twenty three in this movie, in and like six. Uh, maybe six to eight years later in the first Santa Claus movie, he's like 40. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the dopey stepdad that just wants the, the hot dog whistle. That's true. The Oscar weenie whistle. Yep. Incredible. Yeah. So let's, let me hit, hit you with some numbers. Uh, yeah. So released in the summer of 1984, you know, the 1984 summer blockbuster hit uh, one after another gangbusters after gangbusters films just coming out left out left and right. what are what are some of the other 84 blockbusters so actually this movie came out the same week as ghostbusters okay yeah okay. it was a very slimy weekend at the box office absolutely it was yeah so this movie has a tight runtime 106 minutes and mm-hmm. uh all right let's do some let's break out your calculators here so 11 million dollar budget which is relatively small it's pretty good yeah but at the box office they did 212 that is insane. Quite good. Quite good. For especially going against uh Ghostbusters at the same time. You know? Um but yeah, I, so I would say I would say Ghostbusters probably won that uh week at the box office. I haven't I don't have the numbers in front of me yet, but like just because it has probably more star power. But I would also say that they both have a level of staying power as well. We're still talking about Ghostbusters, definitely. But we're also still talking about Gremlins. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, here. So since you asked, I just pulled this up. So notable popular movies that released in 1984. We got Gremlins. We got A Nightmare on Elm Street. The Terminator. Oh, my God. Never Ending Story. Ghostbusters. Children of the Corn. Sixteen Candles. Beverly Hills Cop. The Karate Kid. Temple of Doom. Like the list goes on. The, yeah, it was just it's like 1984 is kind of the year with the movies that everyone thinks of when they think of 80s. 80s, movies. absolutely, yeah. And this leans heavy into the 80s stigma. We'll 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 dig into those. But so upon this most recent rewatch, you know, I'd seen this countless times growing up, but I never really paid attention to the credits like I do now as an adult. So. You know, the intro starts playing and all that kind of stuff. And you notice that this movie has a stacked fucking deck of folks involved with this movie. Steven Spielberg as executive producer, Mm -hmm. directed by Joe Dante, who went on to do the sequel to this movie. He did Inner Space with Martin Short. I love that movie. That movie's great. Is that the Dennis Quaid one? Yes. Mm. Uh, The Burbs with Tom Hanks. And then in the 90s, he went on to do Small Soldiers. He's in kind of that black comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then here's the big one. So written by Chris Columbus, Mm -hmm. you know, came from hot off the heels of The Goonies as a writer on The Goonies. He had his directorial debut, I think, a little after this or a little before. I can't remember, but with Adventures in Babysitting. And then he went on to do Home Alone 1 and 2. Mrs. Doubtfire, the first two Harry Potter movies, Rent, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Chris Columbus can fucking get it, dude. Chris Columbus is amazing. I love that Rent stays uh, stands out from his filmography like that. Um, yeah, uh, I, I I guess um, 
I, I was thinking of the Goonies quite a lot throughout mm-hmm. this movie because mm-hmm. that was another uh, pretty popular kind of mainstay in my household. Like uh, if we're talking about like the, the, the 80s movies that we grew up on, yeah, that was one of the top five for me. Oh, 100% um, easily. Yeah. You see traces of that pretty easily in this movie. Um, not just through the crew, but you got like Corey Feldman in there. Um, you have the idea of like a slightly fantastical setting where <laughs> these kids are just trying to navigate some stuff. Yeah. That, that seemed to be a big theme in the 80s with shows like Stranger Things kind mm-hmm. of taking advantage. Leaning into that, of definitely. There. Yeah, I love that this takes place in like anywhere USA, but it's, oh, it's yeah. obviously like the Midwest or Northeast where like winters are always cold and snowy. Halloween is always like primo fall leaves everywhere. The springs and summers are immaculate. It's one, just of my notes, one of my notes is that this is like the most destitute town uh, in America. Is everyone in this town on the brink of poverty and homelessness? Because like it seems like it, right? The main our main character works in a bank and like every single day people are like on their lap. <laughs> dime yeah shuttling their children to and from their house for, and the bank uh so that they can make sure that they can still live in their house uh while the the one older widow just like slowly eats up more and more of the town uh with yeah. her ruthless landlording i know she she is definitely a bad character and i remember you texting me about it that you just were in love <laughs> with mrs deagle she she is definitely giving just wicked witch vibes okay yeah it's right off right off the bat getting into this movie um and we can we can do like the plot description and stuff but like there were immediate um direct indiana jones references oh yeah and then also uh it felt very wizard of oz and i told you that uh with she's she's literally wanting to kill his dog yeah like i'll get Uh you my pretty yeah like she was hamming it up she was living for it one last note here about the overview and I thought this was really impressive. Kathleen Kennedy was a producer on this on this flick. Goes Why on, do I know he, Kathleen Kennedy? She is, or just, I don't remember, but um, Lucasfilm president. Oh. She was also a founder. Oh, she did. She, like, basically made Star Wars uh, what it was in the past five years, right? Correct. She okay. helped along with, like, Dave Filoni and um, all of them, those folks. Uh, but yeah, she was also a, a co-founder of the Amblin Entertainment. You know, Amblin with the ETs and uh, it's a Steven Spielberg. Founder of. Yeah, big time there. So this movie absolutely had, you know, someone sold their soul to the devil to get this stacked, you know, deck of producers, directors, writers. Uh, and then, you know, we got some great actors in there too. Like you mentioned, Judge. The Judge shows up. Um Phoebe Cates show, uh, makes an appearance um, <laughs> fresh off of uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Phoebe Cates is in an entirely different movie than everyone else in this she movie. She is. She's playing She's playing it like dark. There are some movie. dark ass moments with Phoebe Cates in this movie. Yeah, I love it. Um, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, you texted me that like Feldman is in this. Like, of course, yeah. This was one of his first breakout roles into film this is little feldman like this, this is, is preteen feldman this is baby feldman and and, and it's <laughs> i mentioned this to ryan while we were watching it i was like it's so weird that like six six to seven years from now he's gonna be the voice of donatello in the second ninja turtles movie <laughs> you know he grows up he grew up so fast his you know, most we, famous role by far 
<laughs> he grew up right before our eyes. We're so proud of him. Um, mm-hmm. Much love to you, Corey Feldman. Yeah, mm-hmm. so let's uh, let's go ahead and dig into this trailer. Let's look at this. This is fun. Um, it's peak 80s, like you mentioned. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Yes, he does. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Does he? <laughs> Billy, is that you? Yeah, Ma, it's me. A nice job. Stress. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're gonna like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're gonna have to open it now. Won't wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift (laughs) he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change. They become clever. Mischievous. Here. And dangerous. Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. They've been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where do they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy. I know. But in a few hours, you're going to have a major disaster. Joe, I'm going to pause it right here. Did you notice who this guy is right here? Oh, that's Jonathan Banks. Damn right it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, I have never seen him like not old and crumpled and, <laughs> and bald. Yeah. Business. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, it, it took me a second, but then I gasped. Yep. It's a good one. Uh, breaking bad for, for you folks. Uh, uh, Ermintra- oh, wait, what was his first name? Mike, Mike Ermintrout. Yeah. Mike. Okay. Mike. All right. Continue. On your hands. <laughs> Gremlins, directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you. Whoa. Yeah, dude. So much fun. <laughs> so much fun. That's that's a great trailer. Just coming off of that, um, you, you heard it a little bit in the trailer, but I think one of the best things uh, about this movie is the little score that kicks in for the Gremlins. Yeah, dude. Yeah. The music is so perfect. It's uh, so like mischievous and iconic because it's such just like a simple little run. It's, but it's somehow like spooky Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's um, I didn't realize at first too, just like how heavy it leans into the Christmas motif. And it's just, you know, it's the, the gifts and the trees and stuff. I was like, Oh yeah, this actually really does lead you in to feel like it's a Christmas movie. And then it just takes this really weird turn. <laughs> it's so silly. But yeah, so let's Joe. Uh, let's let's go ahead and do this. Let's do the Joe plot go. Um, just I'm gonna give you here. Hang on. Let's see. What did we do last time? When it's a straightforward movie. I think I can knock it out in a minute. Um, oh. Uh, I can hit like beats, and then we can we can talk about individual stuff. Okay, we'll do. We'll give you one minute on the clock. I know this is gonna go by in like ten seconds because time does not go. Never goes faster than when you're trying to. 
It's true. Now, you know your main problem. You always stick too far ahead at the front. I know. I know. Low I got to get out. I got to get out the, the basic premises real get quick. Get the floor play out the way and just let's get into it, Joe. Okay. okay. All right. You ready? Here you go. In three, two, one. Start. Okay, our main character is Billy. He's a teenager in small town USA during Christmas. His dad is uh, a down on his luck inventor who gets him a, uh, a small creature from Chinatown that's kind of like a furry little cute pet um, named Gizmo. It's a mogwai. The guy in Chinatown uh, warns that there's three rules with mogwais. You can't expose them to light, you can't get water on them, and then you can't feed them after midnight or else things might happen. Um, Billy and his family immediately do all of these things uh, without even thinking about them <laughs> and then are surprised when things start to happen. Um, several additional Mogwais come out of Gizmo uh, and kind of hatch. Uh, they eventually become gremlins, which are like reptilian versions of Gizmo. They then go and wreak havoc uh, around the town and Billy and his friend slash girlfriend Kate have to go and stop them. Um, it's kind of just like shenanigans during Christmas time, uh, and a little violent and they eventually, uh, defeat them with the power of sunlight. Well done. The power of sunlight, you know, it all comes down to that. This movie really devolves into mayhem, uh, Pretty much at the halfway point. I, I yeah. timed it. I timed it as I was watching it. You don't see an actual gremlin until almost the exact halfway point of the movie. Right. Yeah. Up until that point, they're just like fuzzy. All you see is just fuzzy little Gizmo as the nice little mild mannered Mogwai. And then once he reproduces, <laughs> uh, it starts to go a little bit kooky because you can tell that the rest of those those little Mogwai are little shits. So, so I told you um, my my thoughts around like no one in this movie acts like an actual human being. It feels Correct. like a, a different version of reality. Yep. Um, because first of all, why is the <laughs> why is the inventor father who can't invent anything useful looking in Chinatown for a random pet? for his son who clearly already has a dog that he is very invested. In. Why are we getting another pet? Second of all, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to shit on this movie. Um, when they get this strange creature that should not exist, everyone takes it on face value. That's fine. That's fine. This, this movie exists in an alternate reality. Um, they, they then uh, immediately proceed to dribble water on it. Things pop out of this Mogwai, and then Corey Feldman uh, basically gets bored with it and goes immediately. His he's like, no, I'm I'm good. Like, like I, no, I don't cool. care about any of this. Yeah, yeah. And he, then he immediately loses interest, and he's just like, no, 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 it's cool, man. It's whatever. It's insane. It's yeah. it's my 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 notes get like progressively more and more like all caps cynical. Uh, this. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. It, mainly centered around like is everyone in this town high on something um yeah, that's my read on it right you you touched on it at the beginning of like is everyone in this town is down on their luck somehow right mm -hmm. um is it is this an old like or like coal or smelting town and like everyone's just like inhaling all these horrible fumes and stuff and makes them a little bit dumber it I don't feels know. kind of silent hilly towards the end uh, because it gets kind of misty and it seems like the town is kind of very much enclosed yeah. in a bubble and like there's 
There's no one coming in from the outside. One of my notes towards the end was like, how is the American government not like nuking this entire area <laughs> yet? Um, yeah, yeah. And then I wrote down several times uh, some sort of version of like, for humanity to survive, Gizmo must die. Um, <laughs> is that what you were hoping was going to happen? I'm afraid we'll have to kill Gizmo because that's <laughs> the resolution of this film. Like, He's the origin, right? So, like, by, like, vampire, uh, you know, logic or whatever, do you kill the ma the main one? Yeah. And, yeah. like, does that does it happen? They, yeah, I could see how that, that would... Up, they end up, like, killing all the gremlins, uh, and they kind of solve that. But you know the very next day this could just happen again because these kids are so careless. Um, I did have some questions for you. If we're if we're trying to delve into like the logic, the, the science of gremlins. Yeah, we have Gizmo, who yes. I I honestly loved Gizmo. Of course, uh, of I was course. I was thinking going into this, I was like puppet. Eh. No, love it. Love the design. Love his look. Iconic. I paved the way for Baby Yoda. All that good stuff. Definitely did. Yep. I love that he sings. Mm -hmm. um, there's Real just. Cute. He, he just he'll just like randomly just like start like humming in high pitched notes and stuff. And they'll just listen to him sing. And he puts on these little performances. I love it. Yeah. Um, I love that he is potentially as intelligent as a human. Like they, they talk he can communicate. Yeah. Right? He's yeah. saying words and they're treating him as like a pet. It's 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 strange, but it's also like 80s magic, whatever. Mm -hmm. In terms of the science here. We know that. Nothing I say here has not been like delved into of by Gremlins fans a million yeah. times in the past yeah. 30 years. Yeah. We know that Gizmo produces the other Mogwais that yes. then become Gremlins after they eat right. after midnight. Yeah. Can Gizmo himself ever become a Gremlin? 100%. Yeah. He's not immune. How to would he do that? <clears throat> How would he become a Gremlin? Yeah. Is, is it just like... so? Maybe we have to back up and go through the rules, right? Because yeah. the rules are insane and they don't make sense. But I also like how they're set up to where like they become key plot points throughout the movie. Definitely. Because you have, they can't be in some sort of like direct sunlight or bright light. That becomes the weapon against yep. them, right? Mm -hmm. They can't be uh, wet. That becomes how they multiply. Yep. Uh, and then they can't uh, be fed after midnight, um, because that's that's what turns them from the fuzzy gizmo stage to the reptilian gremlin stage, right? Correct. Correct. So I guess following that logic, if you feed gizmo after midnight, he will turn into a gremlin. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's open and shut. Okay. Yeah. He's not immune to it. He's st he's still he's still a mogwai, all the same. He it came he came from another wet mogwai at some point down the line. <laughs> you know. So, well, that's the thing. Like, you in the in the in the in the chrysalis uh, stage mm -hmm. of the Mogwai or whatever it is called before they're in the chrysalis, um, the the Gizmo fuzzy stage. He seems to be pretty nice, but the the ones that come out of him are like immediately evil and immediately wanting to transform into their final gremlin evolution. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're a little aggressive for sure, and they definitely have some dickish tendencies. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess my issues with the rules are that um, they're too they're too vague, right? They're they're too uh, generic. There's light everywhere. Um, 
there's water everywhere. What, what counts as them getting wet? There's water in the air. Um, and it's also always after midnight. If you think it's somewhere. It. Yeah. It's always, so, yeah, that was the main, that's the main thing. It's like after midnight to do they, who do they know? Do they recognize the, does the it time like, zones? Do they follow that? Do they follow a uh, fucking, um, daylight savings? Maybe it's right? a groundhog day situation where it's like 6am is randomly like the turning point. Yeah. Um, right. Like, it could be, who knows? Uh, do they follow just the one? meridian timeline dateline is that it is midnight right. always yeah you're right i don't know right so maybe they could plane, be alien they they're could on a plane going around the earth like they can just be <clears throat> feasting the entire time and they're good as long as they're staying behind the midnight line right yeah. right yeah um you know what Joe, before very we get empiric in that way like we we mentioned like uh there's kind of like the source and the children of all this there's uh, a level of like sunlight versus darkness there's it's great it's it's, it's kind of like little uh vampire furbies absolutely it is uh and there's probably you know there's probably some some parallels you could draw into of like gluttony you know uh sins of the flesh like you could dive into it and definitely like oh this is a metaphor for capitalism vibes it's a metaphor for capitalism or it's a parable or uh, drawing uh, parallels to the bible you know like it could Mm -hmm. who knows is gizmo the jesus of the story he very well could be I would Joe. love to dive into that theory. <laughs> Joe, before we go any deeper, before we get into any, any headier territory, let's let's do our cocktail hour. Cocktail let's hour. Talk to me about the cock and tail that you got in your hand right now. What is that? Listen, um, I tend to like a gin. I tend sure. to like more bitter than sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, something that you can sip because I'm kind of like a... I'm the type of cocktail drinker where I will just drink during pauses in the conversation almost just automatically. Absolutely. So I need something where I'm taking like tiny sips of it or else it's going to be gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, this sounds like I have a problem. I don't No. <laughs> um, let me explain to you what's happening in this one. So this guy is called the Midnight Mogwai. Ooh. Um, it is one part Aperol. One part blue curacao, get that on you. Half a part fernet, fernet, and, and then one part gin. Ooh, and that kind of makes it that nice little bluish green color. It's got a bluish, like murky bluish green color, and it tastes um licoricey. Yeah, I, I could see the licorice flavor. Mm-hmm. That, that's what a gremlin I would think would taste like. You know, just like that bitter root kind of flavor yeah uh, chewy a little bit um that and just like just like blow some cigar smoke onto it for that smokiness uh, absolutely yeah just take it into an any open bar uh where you can still smoke wherever that may be but i'd like to talk eventually about how like throughout the 80s and maybe before like the ideas of like smoking and drinking were just like the worst things you could do. Uh, and it was like the ultimate like mayhem in the world. It's very much like Pinocchio uh, pleasure Island. Uh, <laughs> yeah. these Little creatures who are like smoking cigars and playing poker. Yeah. It's great. I, 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 I can't wait to talk about the bar scene, but yeah, so <laughs> I went a different approach, but my name is similar. So mine is uh Mogwai at, at midnight. So similar. It is right? not Mogwai at midnight. That's what I called it. Um, like- so we touched on this about the town. Right, it's a good old American town, very blue collar, and especially like the one bar in town. 
I imagine they drink a lot of this. They drink a lot of Pabst Blue Ribbon, right? That's a shitty bar, yeah. Yeah. So what I did, I took this, and I loved the idea of the very end or towards the middle, um, you know, when Stripe, the the bastard Mogwai, jumps yeah. into the pool, jumps into the pool or jumps into the fountain at the end. And I was like, you know what? That should be like a little sidecar bomb situation. So what I got here, so uh, this is going in there. This is a little red and green and white, a little Christmas spirit. What I got in here, I got eggnog, because it's a Christmas movie. Uh, the red is grenadine, and the green is melon liqueur, and then some whiskey just for some extra bite. Justin, shut up. This is amazing. So, uh, cheers to you, Joe. Uh, I'm going to do it over here. You got to get it on camera. Wait, wait, you're, 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 your hand's blocking it. Oh, uh, here we go. Show it. There you go. And then, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and then immediate like plumes of smoke and fizz yeah and then like green led light glowing everywhere yeah uh that um that's not that bad that's not I, that bad i i did like about this movie that like the the premise is insane the characters are insane but then it takes those and it just does fun stuff with them. Absolutely. Um, it exists. I, I, I love a movie with a set of rules, just simple rules that we're living in. Right? Uh, yeah. And this movie literally has three rules that we're living in. And so that's why, you know, when the head gremlin, after we've like killed the initial batch of gremlins, except for him, mm-hmm. when he jumps into the pool, you're like, oh, fuck. Because a couple drops of water onto the original gizmo mm-hmm. was like complete chaos. What's Absolutely. it going to be like if this guy gets completely drenched in water? And just stays there. I love that scene of just him jumping in and you see him just like curled up, diving yeah. deeper. And then they pan out and then the whole pool is just like smoke and like lightning. And it's amazing. Anytime, anytime they show the like reptilian gremlins, it's usually like from the waist up or whatever. So you can kind of tell they're being like puppet operated. Mm-hmm. But I loved the shots that they had of like them. There were like a few far between ones where it was like full body gremlin shots. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, um, do you ever see that uh, video or whatever where it's like showing Kermit the Frog riding a bike? Yeah, uh, how yeah. weird it looks. Where he's like, he's not. He's being got legs. Yeah, anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's this like bizarre, they look like little reptile babies running yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did love, there's maybe one shot in the movie where they're running around on the street where it was clearly stop motion. Yeah. Um, I yeah. love that, uh, integration as well. That was a nice touch. And then in the movie theater, when they're like coming, approaching the screen, like chasing them out, like that's like hand drawn animated. You can kind of tell that they're kind of like approaching the screen. Super yeah. cool. I love that touch. They, they did everything they threw everything at this movie lots of lots of cool styles of animation and then the gremlins themselves um i like how we we kind of alternate between like in terms of the personalities and levels of intelligence of the gremlins they're either like primal monsters or they're just like scumbag guys yeah they're just bros and then in between there's there's like the hyper intelligence a little bit they can communicate they They can sit in a chair and like watch a movie. Like it's it's hilarious the the gamut that they've run. Like they alternate between like murderous plague and just like the worst people you know. Yeah, just like good time partier scumbag folks. I love it. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to talk about um, 
some of my cornerstones and connections to this movie um, before we dive into a little bit more about the production and history and stuff about the film. So this movie is deeply ingrained in my memory. I remember watching this as a kid and just loving the free-for-all, like, zaniness that takes place, mm-hmm. but also at the same time being, like, genuinely frightened by those creatures once they turn gremlin form. Like, it's... This movie's a little scary, yeah. Yeah, they're they're kind, they're kind really creepy-looking, right? Their eyes and their their fangs and even their, like, three-handed claws kind of thing. They're real sharp. They're They're just little bastards that'll get you. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember like really, really wanting a gizmo, whether it be real because I was a kid, or the little stuffed animals that you could get uh, for funsies. Oh, I'm uh, sure this is this was just like merchandising city. Oh, absolutely! Uh, yeah. Bring in the bucks, man! Uh, merchandise, uh, everything just ran the gamut. Um, so this movie sewed in a deep, deep disdain for do you hear what i hear the christmas song (laughs) i have never liked it since but because that scene okay so for those of you who don't recall that song do you hear what i hear i don't remember who's singing it or what the original is it's that classic christmas song but it's playing while billy's mom is alone in the house and she has to go full you know predator commando on these gremlins that are attacking her inside the house and it's so tense and like horror movie of like there's some something in my house that wants to attack me and i have to like creep through around the corner while this song is playing and it's such a juxtaposition but it always like left like the ick in my brain and my body anytime i heard that song it's just like Ugh, i don't like it it's change i the the song is Bing Crosby, I believe. I just looked up. Okay. Something. I want to talk about that scene in particular because that scene kind of feels like the apex point of this movie for me. But it's not. Like, it's like thirty minutes in, or like know, forty-five minutes in. But it's so, so much, good. This is, like a, this is like a clean hour and a half movie, and so much of the end is just kind of like mayhem and chasing around. But this is where they kind of slow down, and this is where I was like. So going into this movie myself, I I knew the basic concept. I knew that like Gizmo um, somehow becomes a gremlin or creates a gremlin and there's like the the rules and stuff. I really didn't know anything about like the actual human characters in the story. So I was like, okay, so this is the first time uh, the gremlins are actually uh, transforming at this house. The mom's kind of home alone. She's kind of clueless as to what's actually happening up in the attic. And I was like, how dark are they actually going to get with this because they could just have this could be the type of movie where like she gets brutally murdered and and it's almost played for laughs in a way i did love (laughs) the the progression of this scene because she hears a noise in the attic and she immediately grabs the biggest kitchen she can possibly find and is ready to kill like (laughs) she I love the backstory that that paints for this woman, that she's been through it. You can tell she's over her husband's bullshit of like, yeah, honey, you're a great inventor. Someday it'll work out for you. But she's she's at home doing like Billy Banks taekwondo training. She's ready to kill and kick some ass. I love that you caught that immediately. Like as soon as she hears some weird shit goes on, big fucking knife. She's ready. Phoebe Cates and the husband in this movie are in 
two completely different movies from everyone else. And Absolutely. we can talk about it. But talking about the scene with the mom, some almost like clear comparisons. And I can check my dates here because this may have actually come out after, but it very much felt exactly like Sigourney Weaver in Aliens. Like down to the kind of sweaty, mullety haircut uh, with the curls uh, that Sigourney Weaver is has in those movies. Mm-hmm. The mom becomes some sort of like sci-fi uh, shoot 'em up person for a good 10 minutes. Uh, she kind of owns uh, a little segment of this movie. And it's just uh, from, from the little bit of research I've done on this movie, I kind of wanted to go into this episode a little bit clean, but I did know that parents took their kids to see this movie because of yeah. the G and one of the biggest complaints was that it got way too violent with the gremlin parts. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine this is probably where that starts to happen because she is knifing gremlins left and right through their yeah. face and then tops it off with putting a gremlin in the microwave <laughs> and not even taking a beat before sticking that fucker on high and watching him explode. Explode. So gross and brutal. All while do you hear what I hear is playing in the background. And that's um, why like it oh, it just sticks in my brain. But yeah, dude, she's got the best kills. throughout the whole movie and they're all back to back she throws one in the big juicer and just like blends them up she stabs another one to death the microwave and then well those are the only three that she kills and then billy comes in and decapitates one with the fucking uh checkoff sword (laughs) one of the things one of the things that i texted you i was watching this movie so they live in this house where the dad's like kind of this kooky inventor and he's always away on conferences and stuff but their entire house is just like decked out in these random ass inventions that are supposed to be like making their lives easier, like an egg cracker or like a, 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 a random ass orange blender thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why are there so many of these things that don't work? Why are we spending so much time on them? And then it hit me about 20 minutes into the movie. I was like, Oh, I know the gremlins are going to happen. We're going to have a little like kill for each of these machines. Like yeah. there was, there were a few scenes with the swords on the wall falling, and I was like, okay, someone's going to pick up the sword at one point. Yeah, because uh, because this is going to become mayhem, yeah. and they need to like go home alone on these gremlins, or the other way around. Like I, I truly didn't know if the gremlins were about to like viciously murder a bunch of people. Yeah, like this movie definitely could have taken either approach, right? And I think they didn't know really which way to go. Uh, this movie definitely could have been really effective as just like a standalone one house invasion kind of movie. And it would have been great. Like you said, they could have explored every invention and leaned real hard on that. And like the one invention that they keep bringing up the bathroom buddy could have been the one that like makes the final kill. And right? that's where, that's where you kind of draw the line. Like, is this more of like a camp horror classic or is it like a dark comedy sci-fi type it's both it's both honestly they lean really hard in the in the silly a lot of places and that's why i think i liked it because it is so silly and wacky and just peak 80s you know across the board you know like the the 80s definitely were a time for exploration and invention and this you know leans hard into that you know uh think peewee's big adventure around the same time you know, he had the same kind of Rube Goldberg machines in his house, but they fucking worked. Uh, not not this guy. 
There was an, there was an age of like puppety kind of slimy monsters that uh, so you think of like stuff like the never ending story. You think yeah. of Dark Crystal, uh, really like heavy Jim Henson style stuff mm-hmm. where they can create this level of like movement and characters with personality with things that are very clearly physically puppets. Like yeah, monsters. definitely. And so yeah. you get. You get a lot more, especially in that age of technology, you get a lot more opportunities for the human actors to like interact with these things mm-hmm. uh, instead of it being like a kind of a crappy CG type thing where they can't really like touch it and fight yeah. with. Instead, that's... mom is like battling with gremlins on the floor of this house. And it's so cool. And that's what makes it so visceral and real is because they are real puppets. She's acting against a real thing that she is stabbing probably or throwing, <laughs> literally tossing this lifeless puppet into a microwave <laughs> but um i wanted to touch on this this is a really cool thing that i that i loved so i think this started or it might have been a couple other pieces but uh this continued like the 80s and then into the 90s trope of the teen lead in the movie mm-hmm. having the absolute dopest fucking bedroom you could ever imagine <laughs> it's always in the coolest places it's always in like the detached garage or in the attic that's converted Billy has the coolest bedroom in the entire world, and it's he, it's so rad. He li- he he occupies the top floor of this house, basically. Yeah, and it's so cool. I mean, and you want to ask more questions, you know, like this is the '80s, and he's got his first big boy job at the bank, but he's still living at home with mom and dad. Shouldn't he be moving out? But you know, '84 was you know the Reagan era. It's it's crazy. Who knows what was? Yeah, going I there. I mean, obviously, like. I wasn't around then, but I'd wonder how this movie is maybe like commenting on or joking about the political, financial, whatever uh, climate of the time. That's just completely oh, yeah. gone over my head. Oh, dude, definitely. There, there's bits of that. There's, um, there's bits of that in Little Shop of Horror, right? Have you ever seen that? I haven't. Like. Okay, well, like, it's the same kind of thing of, like, the end of the day, like, what undoes the society and the town or whatever is capitalism, right? right. It's this obsession with, like, every, you know, uh, his dad says something like, oh, everybody, every kid's going to want these. The Peltzer Pet, you know, let's market this thing and sell it and do it, but you don't understand it. And they touch on it in Jurassic Park. Jeff Goldblum mentions it. You know, like, you packaged it, you boxed it, and you sold it. You know, you did it without even thinking that you should. Like, that whole thing it's still the undoing of these societal movies of just like capitalism fucks everything at the end of the day. I love that you have the dad uh, trying to kind of uh, profit off of the idea of like a gremlin pet that he just bought from Chinatown. What? Um, But then also you, you also immediately see like the metaphor of the gremlins as these like, hedonistic consumers who are just like the ultimate, like this is what society would be. Yeah. This is what we gave into our impulses. This is what the liberals want. Another eighties trip that this played on was having just like a generic Chinatown in the area where the strange and unusual shit happens. And does it racist? Yes, it does. Yes. It hundred percent. It's, Racist to an almost normal degree in movies like this. It's just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing that I really loved, especially this time around, you know, as a, as a mature adult, adult as I am, yeah. uh, Phoebe Cates, and you touch on this a bunch of times, Phoebe Cates is in a completely different movie. She goes about this and plays it so, 
strangely, so earnest and truthful. Her commentary about not liking Christmas is so heartfelt and honestly so real that I really appreciate it. That like, dude, not everyone has to be fucking happy and psyched for Christmas. Like, I don't like Christmas and I don't have to. Leave me the fuck alone, Billy. So, yeah. Phoebe Cates, uh, Phoebe Cates is kind of seen in this movie through the eyes of Billy. We kind of interact with her because Billy wants to hang out with her. They work together at the bank uh, before the gremlins completely take over town. They're kind of like they have a few key conversations and then they're together throughout the the gremlin takeover when they're just defeating gremlins. But like she has a couple almost like monologue moments and it's it's the, it's the moment where you're talking about where she talking to, where she talks about like why some people don't like christmas and she has a line that i wrote down that was just like so deeply dark uh in the midst of all this like mayhem it's like while everybody else is opening up their presents some people are opening up their wrists yeah dude and it's I just like wrote, really? my god <laughs> damn it what's wrong with you yeah she has that scene and that she's saying it without saying it she doesn't want to go into the her history which she does later but she's like leave me alone i don't have to like christmas some people just are really depressed around the holidays and billy's like fine whatever do you just want to go on a date but then later we get this is this is one of my big standout scenes so the first one is obviously billy's mom going fucking full ham in the kitchen the second (laughs) one takes place at what i'm calling exposition bank when they're seeking (laughs) refuge and it's her other Regional monologue. Exposition bank. <laughs> and trust. Bank and trust. It's her, <laughs> it's her other monologue, but it is it takes this sharp left turn of like, you want to know why I don't like Christmas? It's because my dad died in the chimney when I was a kid. Okay. What is your read on that scene? Because I need to know how bad to feel that I burst out laughing watching that. Um, uh, I remember so seeing it the first time as like a kid growing up, like I blew pa- it blew past me because I was like, "This is boring." They're just talking. Bring back more of the cute little monsters that are doing stuff. But as I turned into a teenager and a little bit older and watching it uh, a bunch more times, I love this scene so much because, like you said, she's in a completely different movie, but she grounds it in that reality, and it's such yeah. a weird choice. To she, have her bear her soul of this deep, dark moment that happened to her childhood of her dad dying, snapping his neck in the chimney. This movie is like mostly about like the weird consumerism of Christmas when it comes to the gremlin parts. But then her bits of the movie are about like the spirituality and belief of Christmas, uh, which I wish they they followed up more on because ultimately like this movie doesn't end as like a we saved Christmas type movie. It's more just like we got rid of those gremlins. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like we we can finally have Christmas now. Like this movie could have taken place at any time. But like you can see traces of that in her parts where it really just becomes like how like we're saying, like how different people approach Christmas. And it just it's just it is wacky that all of that is happening while being surrounded by gremlins taking over the town and um, getting up to no good and drinking and smoking and playing poker. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just having a ball out there and she's like, you know what? Let's seek refuge in this bank. And I'm going to bear my soul to you, Billy, and <laughs> change your entire outlook on how you see me. Cause they had to talk. They've had to have talked about that later. 
right? Um, it de- it definitely came up. You can't just sweep that under the rug. Yeah, yeah. You He's know. like, we're gonna circle back on that next week. Uh, but for now, we'll, we need to figure out how to deal with these monsters. Out. And like that sucks. Uh, you real? I really don't know what to say, but we need to go deal with all this other stuff. And that's the only reason they go into the bank is to have a quiet moment, and then they leave immediately. Uh, it's very strange, but I love that it grounds her character so much. It's a super dark payoff to her previous comments of like, this is why some people don't like Christmas. It's the darkest thing, but I love it so much. Speaking on 80s tropes, I'm kind of just going through my notes as I was as I was watching the movie here. This, this movie has like an excellent uh, version of the cop that doesn't believe the kid um, uh, when all this crazy stuff is happening. So it happens in the Goonies when chunk is calling the cops about the fratellis yeah and he's like <laughs> he's like lawrence is that you again <laughs> like, yeah. and he starts listing off all the times that he's like prank called the cops and he doesn't believe him yep and then yep. in this example it's it's again it's like a heightened level of insanity that like made me feel like i was going crazy because like he brings gizmo in and he's showing him to the cops and the cops are just like, you know, whatever. That's that's like a he's it, cute. It might as well be a fucking dog. Like, what are, yeah. what are we talking about? Yeah, and it's it's great. It, it plays for for laughs. And they I don't know if this is a real body count. I tried to look it up. The real body count of this movie. Body because count Yeah, there are two confirmed deaths. But uh, I don't know if those two cops made it out alive because that was a pretty gruesome car wreck that they, that they it's endured. a little apocalyptic at the end of this movie okay so i think i think we have to talk about what was probably the scene that i laughed the hardest uh at tell me hit, movie, hit, which hit me i'm i'm thinking is death number two that you're talking about so <laughs> mrs in, deagle <laughs> mrs deagle is the god bitch of this town she seemingly controls the banks in this town somehow mm-hmm. she's a widow who is everyone's landlord and yeah. not a single redeeming quality about her nope the gremlins go on their ramp- rampage of the town so spike or stripe the, the alpha gremlin has stripe. like jumped into the pool so there's a lot more of them now they knock on mrs deagle's door she lives in this like big old empty depressing mansion um so many cats the first part of this that I laughed at is that they they knock on the door and she opens it and they're dressed as carolers and they're <laughs> yeah. doing this like demented Christmas song to like scare her. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, do the gremlins know what they're doing or do they think this is all normal and they're just like doing it? Um, yeah. The so she screams, shuts the door, gets into because she's she's kind of an older woman, gets into the chair that she uses to uh automatically go up her kind of spiral large grand spiral staircase and the (laughs) the gremlins somehow like chew on some wires to make the chair accelerate at like a apollo like mach one mach one yeah speed we see, we then see her shoot up this spiral staircase screaming, perfectly flung out of the top window and then end up literally wicked witch style. Do we just see like her, her legs being yeah. out of the snow at yeah. that point? 
Yep, that's it. And she's done. She's done Amazing. for. The, uh, going so fast, Mach 1 out her fucking window and landing a hundred yards away into this the hard snow. She's obviously dead on impact. But yeah, I love that scene so much because it, it is so bizarre. And <laughs> she shuts the door and she's like, they've come for me. I'm not ready. <laughs> it's like, what has she done in her past that she thinks they're it, she's getting her comeuppance? So what I want to know now, we've talked about this. She is the lady who controls the bank, controls the property. Now that she's dead, what does that mean for the rest of the town? It, they're all free. Um, it's it's like student loan forgiveness. Like is that they, it? Okay. All start over. This town can rebuild as a utopia that is not connected to the rest of America. As yeah. far as I know, this town is floating out in space. It's, this is a similar town to the village. M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. It's just contained. It's, it's the Truman Show. If anyone tries to leave, they're going to get blocked one way or another. Yeah, or shot and outside. The Gremlins were just like a, a late season addition because the producers wanted to add something. Yeah. Um, I, I will just say, like, in reference to the insane tonal shifts of this movie, the, the Christmas backstory that Phoebe Cates gives is like the very next scene after the the chair scene. Like yeah. it, it goes from her sticking out of the snow to them in the bank and she gives the most depressing monologue you've ever heard. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> thanks for sapping the fun out of watching the Wicked Witch just die. But it's a, it's I, a neat turn. It's a neat turn. I did want to touch on, we, we've kind of covered like the different like major characters. Corey, Corey Feldman's kind of in there. There's also the 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 school teacher who he brings the initial gremlin to, who's kind of like the first kill. Yep. But I didn't. There were obviously some some people that I did recognize in this cast, but a lot of the people seemed very specific to Gremlins. Like uh, you're saying, Phoebe Cates is like Fast Times at Richmond High. I've never seen Fast Times. Okay. Um, so this is really like my first Phoebe Cates. Yeah. Uh, the main character, like Billy in this movie, the teenager, I was Gremlins kind of his thing. It like I've his, never really seen him in other stuff. I think this was like his breakout role. He was kind of an unknown. I think they wanted to go with someone a little bit more established, but he and Phoebe Cates had really great on-set chemistry. So uh, Dante and crew, they were like, let's keep this kid. But yeah, I think this was his breakout role. Yeah, and then I I, I did know the mom because she's the mom in the past in Back to the Future. Uh, it took me a second, but I was like, that's who it is. It's it's Lorraine's mom in Back to the Future. Oh, Heat. you're right. Yeah. That's a good catch. Yeah. I've always known her as Billy's mom. But she's uh, got she's got a unique face. But then the dad, never seen him before. I looked him up. He's he's like a musician or something. Oh. Uh, like that. Yeah, he, he was he was having fun. He was just trying he was just there for fun, you guys, you know. And then obviously Jonathan Banks and Judge Reinhold. I just I just feel like there is a deleted scenes from Gremlins out there that is like Judge Reinhold getting his Gremlins come up uh, later in the film because like he has a couple scenes with Billy where he's kind of his arrival at work and he's moving he's, on up. He's and he's a super creep to like, Phoebe Cates at the bar. Reagan era womanizing capitalist and yep. Then he's out of the movie. Like he, you don't see him again. Yeah. So there is a deleted cut scene. Shut up. He was supposed to be locked somehow in the bank's vault and he was going to have like a one-on-one -on -one with Billy 
Are you kidding? No, like that's that's legit. That was supposed to happen. There, you can look oh. it up. Yeah, he's he's supposed to be like the gremlins, like locked him in the bank in the vault or something like that, and he was supposed to like bare his soul to Billy or something like that. I don't it know. It feels like that. They missed it. They missed it. <laughs> but yeah, he he one hundred percent would fit in with Patrick Bateman and all that. He <laughs> would he would just he get needs off on just suspenders. He needs to murder someone. He does, but yeah, he is the super creep. But yeah, that's what happened to Judge Reinhold. Um. But yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about you know some of the production and history about this that I that I dove into. So facts, yeah. So yeah, this was a story, original story written by Chris Columbus. He wrote this. Um, it was written as like a spec script to kind of show off to potential employers that like, hey, I have it as a screenwriter. I can do this. Yep. And uh, Spielberg caught wind of it and was like, oh, this is super original. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. I'm just gonna scoop it up. I love this. Um, and yeah, obviously it was a financial success and, uh, it spurned, you know, uh, a sequel, uh, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen Gremlins 2, but I hear that it's even more wacky and bananas and leads I, into more of the what, absurd. I obviously I haven't seen it either, but from what I've read, it's a little more comedic and more like parody ish. Yeah. Like definitely tongue in cheek leans into it a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it spurned um, that sequel and was a main inspiration for a lot of other kind of like creepy little miniature creature feature movies throughout the 80s, namely Ghoulies and Troll and Hobgoblins, like just about like multiple little creatures that just wreak havoc on a town or a city or something like that. What's the what's the movie or series of movie where it's just like the little fuzzy balls of things with teeth? Or... Uh, I think that's Ghoulies. Ghoulies? Yeah. So that came after this. So this kind of paved the way for that sort of thing. But yeah, we touched on, you know, puppets and, and all that kind of stuff. And they used multiple puppets, marionettes, and other different ways to capture both the Mogwai and the Gremlin form. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely, so they, they originally, you know, crafted the, the Mogwai form, the small little mechanical gizmo and all of his compatriots. And, uh, apparently that was such a big pain in the ass. They hated working with that puppet. Um, so when they went to create the gremlin personas, that's why they're a little bit bigger is because there's a little bit more armature and a little bit more range of motion that they were a little bit easier to work with as opposed to this small little cuddly thing. Yeah. Um, the, you can tell, you can tell gizmos <laughs> usually like wrapped up in a blanket or like in a box down there because there's probably like gear. So many shit. Yeah right so many so many things there um yeah uh, let's see we touched on a bunch of other things too in here you know the the backlash and complaints of you know families going to see this movie because they thought it was like a feel-good christmas movie with cute little puppets and all that kind of stuff but then it takes this dark turn with creepy little monsters and it just ruined people's movie going experience that it actually paved the way with the mpaa to create the pg-13 rating because they needed something between R and PG. And that's why a lot of the 80s movies that are rated PG get an F-bomb or, you know, get some tits or some weird shit it's, in there. It's it's 16 candles. Yeah. 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 It's F-bombs. And then there's like random boobs. And you're just like, what the hell? This is rated PG. Yeah. So they hadn't come up with anything yet. But this kind of helped start the conversation of like, all right, we've had enough. There needs to be something in between. PG-13. 13 is the age. 
So it was it was Spielberg because like he had this movie and then he had Temple of Doom Doom in the same year and both have like truly terrifying moments. Yeah, dude. That should not be for six year olds. Definitely not. No. So this that's a fun little thing that this movie can um, hang its hat on. You know, it helped bring about the PG-13 movement. Um, I love that they were like. What's the age we should pick? You know, They're like I don't know, like fucking thirteen. Those Canada fuckers did fourteen. Like let's 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 one up. Let's bring it down a notch because we're American. You know, um, we touched on the merchandisability. You know, this this movie did gangbusters the holiday season of nineteen eighty four with all the merchandise, the action figures, I can the plushies, and everything. Um, super cool stuff. Like it, it, this movie was made to market and made to merchandise. Um. Let's see a couple other standout scenes. We kind of danced around and talked about the gremlins inside the movie theater is iconic. They're watching snow white and they're loving it. They're singing the hi ho. What a hi-ho. crazy movie to pick. Cause like in 84 would snow white just be like playing in the movie theaters. No, that, and that's I guess why there was a time when it, there like weren't a lot of VHSs and like you had to watch the theaters to watch the movies. Uh, I don't know. I don't know a time before the. I don't know because because Snow White came out in like fucking in the 30s, in the 40s or whatever. So like it's weird that like that was playing at the theater. But then that plays into more of like how weird is this town? You know, like that they're playing Snow White at the movie theater. It's also fun because like you can think of these gremlins as like newly hatched and like any sort of stimulation is good stimulation to them so like yeah. they see snow white and they're thinking this is like the best shit they've ever seen like what happens when they watch like die hard or something like that i don't know right they're going to explode yeah like they might i don't know maybe that's what happens in the sequel we need to dig into that we need to have like a full sequel series sequels mini series yeah of many of the these. movies that we've covered had sequels uh scream had oh, yeah, one but that's a lost episode um there's devil wears prada too oh, ba- the baby wears prada yeah baby wears prada <laughs> yeah that's that's the sequel i wanted um <laughs> but yeah there's this one i don't think the, any of the other ones but we're building a catalog for sure oh, yeah. and uh, i think the fans uh spe- specifically those in brussels i think they would love a sequel series we love our fans in brussels shout out to our fans in brussels yeah yeah dude hell yeah belgium hell yeah um cool so let's uh couple more easter eggs uh you touched about this you know the original script was supposed to be way way darker and more depressing really and you you hinted at it billy's mom was supposed to be killed okay her her head was supposed to come rolling down the stairs as billy gets home so this this would have been like a straight up horror movie from yeah like mom was supposed to die barney the dog was supposed to get eaten in a gruesome way okay come on and Gizmo was supposed to turn into like the stripe evil Mogwai. They could have taken this into a more horror turn, but Spielberg fought hard to like, it needs to come back a little more cute. Like, trust me, I just came off of E.T. Spielberg was kind of trying to build a brand of like slime, but for kids, <laughs> you know, Spielberg actually wanted Joe Dante and Chris Columbus to pull the Phoebe Cates monologue. And they're like, he was like, this is too dark. This is too depressing. And they, uh-huh. Joe Dante, like highlighted in yellow in the script. Like what the hell? Yeah. Triple underlined, like <laughs> remove immediately. Omit. He did the big circle thing. 
but they fought to keep it in there and i'm glad they did because it, it grounds it in a weird way like i already talked about it 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 certainly gives us something to talk about i will say yeah and one other thing um they originally this is so weird they originally wanted to use monkeys in gremlin masks and costumes to capture the the movements oh, and stuff that but that's depressing that's so horrifying and cruel and um, weird I'm glad Weirdly, one one of my notes from like earlier in the film was, uh, oh god, let me find it. Like, do the gr- I was trying to figure out like in the initial stage of the gremlins, like what their objective was, and I was like, do the gremlins want to eat people, or is it more like a Jumanji monkeys situation? Yeah, they just want to cause chaos. It looks like they want like they want to hijack cars and just like drive them into things, right? Okay, so this is this is one bit that I really loved. So. Um, Obviously, the pro-patriot asshole neighbor guy, uh, the Fetterman, Fetterman, Mr. Fetterman. Yes. You know, who's complaining about everything, foreign cars, this, and foreign parts. Does not like the foreigners. He doesn't, right? He's very not subtle about it. Um, He talks about the origin of gremlins. Mm -hmm. And if you've seen the original uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon, there's one about a gremlin that comes from uh world war ii essentially it's like the gremlins that was that was like the origin of this folk tale or whatever yeah and that's where they come from right um it's a real thing it that's what they said like there were gremlins in the machinery that would cause it to spontaneously break down um or you know be faulty and honestly you know what here's a little nerd bit for you joe that's where the inception of uh ux came from shut up user experience came from airplanes Yeah, yeah, dig into that. It's great. Um, uh, that's the only surface level I can get. It's, it's, it came from war times uh, and building airplanes, honestly, specifically. So but, you're talking, you're, you're saying the term user experience came from that period of building these machines. I don't know if the term, but the practice of like how to make something usable for multiple people and ease came from that of like airplanes are notorious for having like crazy control panels. And things like that. And it was just like, how do we make this streamlined across the board for people to use? Listeners, for, for anyone new here, Justin is a famous uh, user experience designer as his day job. And Joe uh, is also a famous user experience <laughs> manager, also in his day job. So how about that? Just ma- just crossing bridges right here. you know. And we have fun. a film podcast. This oh. is great. I know. It's so fun. But yeah, so the, the whole origin of gremlins being in the machinery and all that kind of stuff. Mr. Fetterman, you know, brings up that lore. And throughout the movie, you kind of see them play into that a little bit. Like when they get into Mrs. Deagle's house and they kind of fuck with the machinery on her chair, like they're just being gremlins about it. Well, there's there's a whole sequence where they take over like a snowplow. And yeah, it's the Fetterman's guy's house. Yeah, it's Mr. Fetterman's uh, snowplow that has foreign parts in it. You know, those fucking foreigners, that kind of thing. Like they're playing into... The machinery aspect and i wish they would have played that up just a little bit more of like they know technology they know electricity they know how to do the shit um i, I do like the idea of like this whole movie came from like a concept of like things fucking with machines how do we build a story and characters around that yeah they they joe dante and chris columbus and steven spielberg went this way joe uh <laughs> Um, James Cameron went a different way with the machines. You know, he went the other route of doomsday and the apocalypse. Well, this is, you said this is the year of 
Terminator, Terminator. One. Yeah. Yep. That's that's the Terminator I haven't seen. Uh, yeah. Put that on the list. Yeah, we'll put that on there. Um, it's great. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the long and short of this movie. You know, there's other standout bits that I love. Uh, the the alien callback that you mentioned. You know, Billy's mom hearkening back to to Ripley. Um, the original Alien came out in '79. Aliens came out in '86. So there's definitely some parallel there of her being like this badass female character. So wait. Both of the Aliens movies were, both of those initial Alien movies were after this movie? 79 was the original 79. Alien. Was the original Alien. Aliens, the sequel, came out in 86. Because, like, it was, like, spooky, like, how similar, like, it's it's crazy Ripley vibes. Uh, definitely, with the short curly hair, you definitely know it on the hair. Maybe that's just the haircut of the age, I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> maybe. You know, it was the 80s, man, it was a wild time. Cocaine was everywhere. Yeah, and then the, the dad inventor guy being completely clueless and also he spends most of this movie at the most 80s inventor uh, convention you've ever seen. There's like large robots like walking around instead of like an iPhone. Yeah. It's like this thing is like a home helper yeah. and it's like the size of a truck. Yeah, it's really weird. He's <laughs> He's in a weird field, definitely. <laughs> One other note that I wanted to call out. So when Mr. Peltzer goes to Chinatown to find his son a gift, he go, he finds himself in this weird shop. He drops two bills, $200 on this fucking Mogwai. So knowing what we know about the family, he's the breadwinner, but he's down on his luck. He hasn't sold anything in a long time. He's not that how's, great of an inventor. How does his family make money? Yeah, how do they make money? And he can just throw around $200 willy-nilly. He is not money. 1984 dollars. Yeah. Two hundred dollars back then is equivalent to almost six hundred dollars now. That's what I was gonna say. Like that's an insane amount. Just that you can just drop on a whim to buy a thing for your son who already has a dog. Right. He he saw this fuzzy thing and I was like, I'm not gonna test if my son's allergic to it. I need it now. Give it to me. Is this sacred to your culture? I don't give a shit. Give Here's it two hundred dollars. Yeah. I'm going to hoodwink you. I'm going to try and sell you this shitty thing. Money talks, bullshit walks. That's right. Get to step in. And they did. <laughs> um, Joe, before we get into the end games, do you got any other closing thoughts or arguments that you want to talk about gremlins? I had three closing notes. Um, Give me. Um, all caps at the end of my notes. What is the lesson here? Why is the dad narrating this? Why was Judge Reinhold in this? <laughs> okay, let's start with the last one. Why was Judge Reinhold in in this? I don't know. He was kind of the it guy in the '80s for a second, uh, and he had a cool name. I think that's honestly it. Can I can I say uh, I only ever experienced Judge Reinhold through the Santa Claus movies, yeah. and in my first uh, foray into like wikipedia and like figuring out like the actual names of actors and things i was like why is there a judge like, <laughs> a role in this movie because my brain could not accept that someone was named judge. judge yeah his parents looked at him and said you're a judge yeah you ever held up a baby and see say like this looks like a judge yeah so much so that i'm gonna name you judge and yeah. even Reinhold just sounds like a s large stone structure, like Judge Reinhold. Yeah. And then it's this like this kind of meekish white guy. Yeah. And um, that's that's all it is. It's very weird. It's kind yeah. of perfect. It's great. 
Um, so why is the dad narrating this? I have no idea. This movie book ends with this clueless dad who arguably does not know his son mm-hmm. narrating the movie. Yeah, who's um, he talking to? It kind of ends to? with like, well, you know, that's that's <laughs> what happens when you go to Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Why is he narrating? Why did and they the feel bank, like... like explodes in the distance? Like, who knows? Like, why were they trying to make the dad like the narrator? Like, that doesn't make any sense. They should have made Billy the narrator or fucking make Corey Feldman. He's it's just insane. like I, I texted you right as this movie was starting because I was watching it by myself and it starts in Chinatown. And him kind of walking around looking for like presence. And he looks like a private eye for whatever reason. And I texted you. I was like, is this a, like, is, are they filming a movie in a movie? And is it going to turn out like this guy's like an actor or something? <laughs> yeah. And that's I what bet. it felt like. Someone was going to, someone was going to like call cut or something. Yeah. I bet there's a big payoff in the sequel that we'll have to explore. <laughs> uh, because I, I, lo- I looked ahead. Uh, Cause when I tried to look up the body count, I was like, oh, the Fettermans and, you know, Mr. Fetterman and his wife obviously ate, bit the dust with the snowplow coming in. But the apparently count, they, make a, count, yeah. they make a they uh, make an appearance in the sequel. So they make it out alive. So I want to know what their story is. Yeah, but, I think the sequel, one of the one of the things I know about Gremlins is like that one gif of like the female Gremlin and like the blonde wig. I think that's from the sequel, even though yeah. there is like one female Gremlin in this yep. movie. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, the yeah we didn't talk about the bar scene but it it is so standout of just so of the chaos of them of them just like smoking and drinking just... and playing pool and like uh there's like the one really cool cat like gremlin who's who has the hat and the sunglasses and he's just listening to jazz right yeah and then there's the other weird one that always gets a laugh out of me it's the ski mask wearing one with the <laughs> pistol Oh my God, they're little pistols that came up throughout this movie. They're like, they're guns, but they're like miniature. There's tiny pistols. It's hilarious. Where did they get these? <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> but Joe, I'm glad you had a good time with this movie. And I hope it got you into the Christmas spirit. Uh, I know it did for me. Uh, this yeah. movie will always be a Christmas movie to me, just because of the time of year that I always caught this movie on like TBS or MTV or VH- VH1 or whatever it came on. Yeah. Many times that I saw it, it's it's a Christmas movie through and through for me, even though it is a little spooky, a little weird, a little kooky, a little creature I mean, feature. We we talked about like the Chris Columbus connection here, and I think he is very much considered like a Christmassy guy. Um, so he's got Gremlins, he's got um, Home Alone, obviously, but then like you think of the first two Harry Potters in particular, and a Christmas. lot of people say like those kind of count as Christmas movies. Like it obviously changes with the third one because it completely shifts in terms of like tone style and aesthetic. But like the first two are very Christmassy. Definitely. They are a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's got, he's got a pension for Christmas. The dude just loves that holiday season. You know, know? he needs those J I N G L E bells, you know? Yeah. Um, Cool. So let's get into the end games, Joe. I've prepared. I am terrified. I've prepared some fun stuff for you. So I wanted to do something different. So we're going to play what I'm calling Name That Cryptid. Name That Cryptid. So I couldn't come up with the right name. So (laughs) we got Name That Cryptid that we're going to (laughs) play. But I also wanted to take a different approach. I wanted to say, does it cryptid? 
So I came up with something completely different. So uh, we, I definitely stuck with name that cryptid. So for any I, listeners out there, Justin had way too much time on his hand this past week and animated a full segment for each of those musical interludes. Yep, uh, I had fun with it, Joe. That's what I do. That's what I do with my time. <laughs> so here, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna play name that cryptid, not does it cryptid. Um, this one's a little softer. This is name that cryptid. Okay. Okay. So, so to be to be clear, when we say cryptids, we're talking about like little like uh, folktale, <laughs> monstery type things. Yeah. So folklore, mythical creatures, and urban legends of the sorts have existed in the human story for hundreds of thousands of years. Okay. So each comes with their own set of rules, unique features, guidelines, and things like that. So this is what I'm going to do, Joe. I'm going to give you the descriptions and a set of several rules uh, or guidelines or whatever to some of these folklore <coughs> creatures, cryptids, or persons or whatever. And I want you to tell me which one they're tied to. You okay. Think? Is that all right? Am I, am I just giving you an answer or is it like a multiple choice thing? This is going to be multiple choice. So okay. I'm going to give you a list of things and then I'm going to give you your multiple choice. Is that cool? Yeah, I'm going to dominate this. All right. So let's get into it. All right, welcome back to Name That Cryptid, folks. Here we are, Joe. Question number one. This creature is fey in origin. Fey in origin. There are Norse roots, particularly in Northern Europe. Uh, they are a collector of bones, some can say. Collector of bones. Now, some of the rules or guidelines are tied to this creature. Never say thank you. Don't And don't stand inside of a natural formed mushroom circle from this creature okay so am i talking about the slender man the tooth fairy or the wendigo um it's definitely not slender man i was going to say fairy of some sort but tooth fairy seems too different so i'm going to say wendigo you should have stick with your with your first instinct there uh that's the tooth fairy tooth no fairy is is a fairy fey in origin has its norse roots they collect bones oh i should have i totally forgot to collect bones yep yep you got to pay attention to these things joe uh, question number two uh, we got a blood drinker okay blood drinker on our hands reported sightings range from latin america into the u.s okay described as small reptilian or dog-like i already know what this is keep going. some of the rules be sure to put away your livestock at night. Mm -hmm. Bandage the wounded. Mm -hmm. Bring inside your pets. Uh -huh. Am I talking about the Mongolian death worm, the Jersey devil, or the chupacabra? You're talking about the chupacabra. Damn right I am. Right. <laughs> Joe got one. I love there that one. Uh, question number three. Uh, this creature is large bipedal creature. A okay. large bipedal creature. Purported to inhabit the Himalayan mountain range in northern Asia. Okay. And may also be related to the Bigfoot himself. Um, Alex, is there a Disney roller coaster associated with this creature? Who Sorry. knows? Who knows? The rules are 
avoid the mountain slopes at nighttime. Am I talking about the Yowie? Am I talking about the Yeti? Or am I talking about the Mothman? The only rule is to avoid the mountain slope at nighttime. Yeah. Uh, I believe it is the Yeti. That would be correct. You're talking, we're talking about the Yeti, folks. Question number four. You're doing great so far. You got two out of three. Question okay. number four. This creature mourns children whom they've drowned. Oh. They are known also as the weeping woman or the wailer. Okay. And uh, if the cries seem close, they're far away. But if the cries seem distant, they are near. Beware. The rules don't wander off in the dark, especially near bodies of water. Am I talking about the Beast of Bodmin Moor, Bloody Mary, or La Llorona? Those rules seem just like general good rules to follow in general. Um, it is definitely La Llorona. Correct. You nailed it. Uh, having grown up in South Texas, I can tell you that that folklore is alive and well. There's... Scared the shit of me. Scared the shit out of me as a kid. Is it, is it like Hispanic in origin? Yes, it is. Okay. <clears throat> yep, it is terrifying. Look it up. La Llorona is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a relatively recent whole ass movie about it. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. But uh, <laughs> here we go. Last question, number five. To save yourself, get four out of five, Joe. Okay. This creature is often conjured to reveal the future or your demise. Ooh. It is best witnessed in group participation play. Group participation play. Okay. And the origin could be linked to a real historical figure, a number of historical figures, in fact. Okay. Some of the rules. Don't look into the mirror alone at night. Am I talking about Bloody Mary, the Candyman, or the Lady in White? Oh, you bastard, because it's the mirror thing applies to multiple. Um, I would say I've never seen the Candyman movies. Uh, I'm going to say Bloody Mary. You would be correct. Okay. Woo. There are ties to historical people. Mary, Elizabeth, or whoever. That's, whoever. that's what got me. But the Candyman also does, does something similar. Stuff, does something right? similar. Yeah. So okay. uh, you got four out of five there, Joe. Okay. Uh, you did pretty good in Name That Cryptid. Name That Cryptid. All right, I Joe. Would, Love to see how you can possibly bring that animation and uh, musical cue back in future episodes. I think I might. I think I might reuse it, or I might reuse the other one. Does it cryptid? Yeah. So I had fun with that one. I didn't know I could do that in metal. I didn't know I could scream like a metalhead. That's really cool. that sounded really great. That was you. Yeah. Justin, that. And like, same with same with uh, same with the uh, name that cryptid. You know, I did the, the whole thing. Listeners was. might not know that you have a musical career, but like the viewers, the viewers will know because they can see the, the musical instruments behind me. Um, um, yeah, there you go. So there you go, Joe. You got four out of five on name that cryptid. Uh, I'm very proud of you. And I'm glad you came along with me on this journey. I promise, you know, not every single movie that I bring to this podcast is going to have a horror flair to it. Um, it just so happens that just that's those are the movies you haven't seen. I feel like a lot of the movies that you bring are like 
really like key parts of culture, especially from like the eighties and nineties. And I'm really glad I'm like covering, get to cover like my blind spots there. Yeah, like, I, absolutely. I'm building it out. I, I tend to focus more on like the two thousands and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, uh, you're obviously like 20 years older than me. Um, <laughs> Fuck <yeah>. you. <laughs> 10 years older you ass wait no i'm i'm not even that much older than you you're like five years five yeah so fuck you um (laughs) you know what i'm that's a good point we do try to cover each other's blind spots pretty well in this movie yeah um i'm looking forward to the next conversation that we're going to have next week yes that's right folks we're going to do a back-to-back uh episode next week uh just in time for christmas to get your yule on we're going to be talking about a christmas story which is a movie i've never seen before Justin has never seen a Christmas story and I am very excited to show him because I don't know how much he knows about it, but it I know a surprise. I know very little, but uh, I'm excited for that one to, to round out the year, the Yuletide cheer. And then uh, as we get into 2023, I'm, I'm pretty excited for kind of what we have planned. We've got some new things, some new angles, and uh, definitely some new conversations that we're going to take uh, over the next year as we kind of explore on how to grow uncultured cinematic universe in the best way possible but uh joe thanks for coming along i had a blast i hope you did too and um you got any final thoughts one last phrase to send to our folks nothing at all uh, let me know when you want to watch gremlins too hell yeah we'll, we'll add it to the to the catalog great uh thank you guys for joining us uh, a pleasure as always catch us later at uh uc podcast on instagram and wherever you get your podcasts and uh, check us out on YouTube. See you guys later.